Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And I'm Nate Drolet. And together we form Skef Anselm. He gets props, too. What do you think that's from? <laughs> you didn't I forget already. no idea. I mean, it's a tribe called Quest. I even I looked at the yeah. Wikipedia okay. between our two. Okay, it's a tribe called Quest. That's all I need. That's all I need. You're not fired. You still have a job. Still have a job. Yeah. Skef Anselm. It's from a song. Okay. Yeah. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so before we even start here, I just want to note that I'm staring at my notes from a couple episodes and Adam Aldred did 442 514s between the time that he did his first 15A and Silence. And he did 106 before his first 15A. Yeah. Is what I believe yeah. we had said. Yeah. That's impressive. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a lot of rock climbing. It is. There's a lot, a lot of people of who rock won't do 500 <laughs> pitches of anything. Yeah, much less 514. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's move on now. We are in part four of the common sense versus common practice. And even though 442 514s was Adam Alder's common practice, it does not make common sense. No, it makes no sense. <clears throat> and. Uh, In this episode, we're going to talk about training where you are versus where you want to be. And shit, that sounds so simple and like common sense. That's obvious. When I say it. But so many of us, I've I've literally got one four-part note for this whole episode. And my note says, you are not. Are not is in capital, all caps. You are not Sean McCall or Adam Ondra or Patchy Usobiaga or Alex Puccio. You're none of those people. I mean, you might be actually, but unless you're one of those four people, you're none of those people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you shouldn't necessarily be training like those people. It doesn't matter if you want to go climb silence, like Nate so adamantly mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> You, you probably don't need to train your calves to climb your Madness Cave project. It just doesn't work that way. You, you don't need to be paying attention so closely to what the pros are doing because they're where you want to be. So I shouldn't go on a ketogenic diet, even though Dave McLeod did it to climb V15? You shouldn't. You, I mean, you know what? If you want to go on a ketogenic diet, I'm not going to stop I you. I mean, bacon and butter sounds great. The same as if you want to be Catholic, I'm not going to stop you. Um, well, what about, uh, what if I want to do a certain pros hangboard workout that he used to go from V14 to climbing more V14s? I mean, if you want to do Chris Webb Parsons hangboard workout, you can do it if you want to. But you shouldn't expect that doing that same workout is going to get you to where that pro is. That's not how they got there. 
in 99% of cases, you don't see what got those people there. We're already ranting. We're three minutes into this episode and I'm already ranting. So you started out with all caps. I know I did. You're right. You're angry voice. That was a mistake. (laughs) Let's back up here. Train where you are versus where you want to be. Let's dig into that a little bit. Why is that difficult for people? Because, man, I want to be better. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be where I am right now. I want to be where all those people are, like, doing hard shit and, Mm -hmm. like, cool-looking rock climbs. Clearly, they're doing something correctly because they are there and I am not. Yeah. So I should follow them. Yep. And I think, you know, again, we mentioned this already, but this whole series stems from the public service announcement don't believe the hype that i recorded and and really a lot of the problem comes from the fact that the media portrays things this way and and now we can portray it ourselves this way through social media Mm -hmm. um but initially it was the magazines you know train how such and such trains um or videos showing you this person training for whatever specific route it is they're going to go do that's a really great way to teach people bad ways to to prepare themselves yeah um but it's but it's what we have it's what we were given it's what we believe when you're coming up as a 510 climber or whatever you know i definitely watched a lot of the videos i was obsessed with the magazines and i read every damn training article that came out in those magazines Mm -hmm. whether it made sense or not and oftentimes it's companies or magazines or whatever asking these athletes to write them a training article it's not that the athlete wants to say hey everybody here's what you should be doing because it's what I do. It's that the companies that are going to pay them money, the sponsors that are giving them money are saying, we need you to write this for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake. And again, props to La Sportiva for having you come out um, and give some common sense approaches to training, you know, that hopefully will become common practice. You see how I did that there? Oh, that was good. (laughs) so it is it's a big it's a big problem in this in this media driven world that we live in now especially are there other problems other than the media because i'm totally harping on the media right now and it's not all bad um i mean fads in general like yeah, I mean, so many of these things. I, I mean, I guess that gets propagated by media. Um, our own expectations. Yeah. Like, I mean, because this doesn't That's even... an age-old forever problem. Yeah, this doesn't even simply have to be, oh, I want to train like the pros, though that is kind of where this stems from. Like, mm-hmm. I think well, we can all agree, like, trying to train like a pro, we know that's dumb. That's not what we should be doing. Right. That is the wrong way to go about things, but it does not stop us from doing it. Like how many people have you heard talk about the Chris Webb Parsons hangboard yes, program? So many, so many hundreds, thousands, like tons and tons of people. Like there are people who can <clears throat> barely, 
like they struggle to hang with one arm on a jug, but they just want to take off enough weight that they can one arm hang on one pad edge. Right. It's like, if you're taking 50 pounds off, like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, what Chris Will Parsons certainly wasn't doing that. Like this was something specific to him at a specific time. Right. Like if you were in his exact same shoes, maybe it's, it's probably tremendous. Like I'm sure it would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, and to be totally fair to Chris Webb Parsons, you know, we're not harping on him because he's giving bad advice. Again, it goes back to that PSA. You really have to pay attention and parse this information to see how it fits you. Yes. I think um, it's great advice for the right person. Right. Exactly. And he put something out there. Like at the time that w- that went out, there really wasn't a lot of information that said, here's what you should do. Mm-hmm. And that's what people were looking for. People want someone to tell them what to do. Totally. Um, so at that time, it sort of filled this need for people to be told, here's how I use this hangboard. Mm-hmm. You know? So to be fair to Chris Webb Parsons is not just that he was giving bad information. It was that people were so fast to latch onto it regardless of whether it fit them or not. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so to kind of go back when you asked, is this just media's fault? And I said expectations. Uh, another time when you need to be training where you are and not where you want to be is if you're coming off an injury or coming off a break. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely deeply mired into all of that right now. I mean, yeah, it's this is something that... <clears throat> at some point we all have to deal with like whether it's injury or just like, you know, you took a month off or a few months off, whatever it is, you can't come back and train immediately as hard as you used to. Yeah. This could very easily be train where you are versus train where you used to be. Yeah. You know, in that, in that case. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And that's, you know, when I, for instance, we built this, 45 degree wall at my house in the machine shop my goal my training plan which i've been detailing for the the patrons in the patreon episodes was to do some low intensity volume type days on that wall the intentions were so good the intentions were very good but the intensity was way too high and I hadn't put the time in yet to really flush out a low intensity enough circuit for it to work. I just assumed I'll go in, I'll do the easy problems on the wall, do them all back to back, should be fine, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And that might have been true when I was at 13 plus, 14 minus level. Now that I'm coming off of this extended large break from climbing that wasn't even close to true. Mm -hmm. So those low intensity sessions became far too high intensity very quickly and probably helped along my finger injury. I don't think they're the only cause of it, but, and actually, you know, those low intensity sessions aren't the only cause of it, but the major cause of it was trying to train where I used to be 
and not where I am at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I've had to take a step back because I was forced into it. And a lot of people who are trying to train where they used to be are also going to be forced into it. That's not a good, not a good thing. I don't recommend it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this, I mean, this doesn't even have to be that you got injured or took time off. It could just be that, you know, you took a year to go sport climbing and now you're going back to bouldering. Like you're going to have to slowly go back through man and going bouldering to sport climbing. One of the worst things you can do is try and go back to the exact same type of volume you were doing initially. Yeah. Like if you want to blow up your elbows and shoulders and wrists, like that's a guaranteed way to do it. Yep. Like, you know, we all, it's really easy to think that intensity, like, you know, crimping down really hard and trying really hard is what injures us, but ramping up the volume really fast, that's just as easy a way to do it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Are there, are there specific specific things that you see happening repeatedly that are examples of people trying to train where they want to be instead of where they are calf raises (laughs) um i think one of them that i see really often is campusing god damn it that was mine (laughs) continue that was a great point chris I see it all the time. People thinking they need campusing because so many times you hear, oh, you need power? Go campus board. Go campus. That's not the only way to gain power. In fact, I would call it a fairly high level expression of power, more so than a way to gain power. I'll even go a step further. Okay. I will say that most people aren't physically capable of being powerful on a campus board. Totally. I I agree completely. Like if you watch someone campusing, they don't move anywhere as fast as they are capable of moving while climbing. Like they move really slow. Actually, most people when they campus, even when they do one, four, seven, one, five, nine, it's a very slow movement. Yeah. That's honestly, it's more strength than it is power. Like, and I totally get it guys. Campusing equals power and like weighted pull-ups equals strength. Like, that's what we've been hammering in forever. Yeah. But really, like most people are not strong enough to train power on a campus board. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I watched uh, I watched Adam Aldra, a video of him campusing a couple of weeks ago, and he's giving some really fantastic advice. He's like, this isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's laying out all of the all of the right things. And he's getting on the campus board and he's going to do 159. He's like, oh, this is my standard, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is your standard. Well, I expected to see this super slow lock off, like reach, like everyone does. Like a big, slow pull through. Big, slow pull through. And it was way better than I expected. Like his 159 was way closer to powerful than I expected. Hmm. See, I disagree. But continue. Maybe we watch two different videos. It's totally possible. He, I, I've seen one video where he talks about 159 lock-offs. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what you're thinking of. The one I saw, I was, I was waiting for the lock-off, and he did a really fast pull-through, and I was like, holy shit. Someone just did a powerful version of 159. Because I think those big max pulls like that 
tend to become more lock-off static exercises for most people. And just a really slow grind yeah. of like, just really like kind of trudge through it. Yep. Um, yeah. Campus boarding, I think is a classic example of people training where they want to be versus where they are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause like kind of, well, yeah, look at the campus board. Like it is by design, it's meant for a very specific, specific thing. It's 20 degrees overhanging. If you're a boulder, when was the last time you were really projecting something 20 degrees overhanging? Definitely not in the gym. Yeah. Like that's like the warm up wall. And then you go to the 45 or the 60. Um, but not only that, like it was developed by like Wolfgang Gulick used by him, Jerry Moffat and those guys who were already climbing 514 plus. Right. Like, and they used it to climb more 514 plus. Yeah. I was early on when I was starting to look at climbing training as a potential business. I was writing a training plan, uh, for someone for, for a company to sell and it had campusing in the program and it was a program specifically for higher level boulders. Mm -hmm. And I was told that I needed to make it work for beginners as well. And I was like, uh, can't happen. Campus. Yeah. It's not, this isn't the place for them. Yeah. This modality is not useful for beginners. Yeah. They're going to get way more out of, climbing powerfully trying to learn to use momentum than they are being on the campus board nope you have to this has to be completely scalable i was like well then i can't do it sorry Mm -hmm. you know i'm out and and i stand by that i see a lot of people who if you can't do 135 then you shouldn't be trying bumps and touches and all these other more powerful, harder on your fingers, harder on your elbows, harder on your shoulders exercises. Mm-hmm. And one, three, five in control. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree. So I think that's a really, really common example of people training where they want to be. I mm-hmm. want to be able to do this stuff, so I'm going to try it. Yeah, And that makes sense. I mean, I mean, I you want to be try. able to do this. Let's try it. Yeah. And you got to take the training wheels off at some point. Yeah. Like, you know, and the thing is, if you do want to try something, go for it. Just be smart about it. Like, honestly, campus boarding, I think, is one of the easiest things to overdo because a good campus board session, you're, it's almost boring. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm sitting. Lots and lots and lots of sitting there. It's so much rest. Like, yeah. if you're doing it alone, like, if you, if you have a group of like four or five people, then it's cool. Then yep. it like, there's only a little bit of pause between every single person. If you do a campus board workout by yourself, like, man, bring a book. Like, it's it's slow. It takes forever. And it's so easy to be like, oh, I guess I'm, I mean, I feel fine because I only did two moves. And so I guess I'm rested. I'll just keep going. And it's really easy to get hurt, to overdo it, and just not get the benefits out of it. Yeah, and you've said something in the past that I think really, really works here as well, that you almost always know when you're about to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Like there's always, almost always something that says, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then you do it anyway, and then you get injured. Right, I mean, before I hurt my finger, before it went really bad, mm-hmm. I thought, I probably shouldn't be trying this hard right now. And then I tried hard anyway. Mm-hmm. And 
lo and behold, I got injured. And that so many of those people on the campus board or, you know, getting underneath heavy weights or whatever it is, hanging with heavy weight on their, off their harness, whatever the situation is, so many people, there's something in their head that says, this is dangerous, maybe I shouldn't do this, and they don't listen to it, and they get hurt. And I think that's often a voice telling you, you're not here yet. You know, this this isn't where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So I think listening to that voice is important. Totally. You know, and I think a lot of this comes down to having a long-term outlook for where you're trying to be. Like, And it's hard to do. Man, it's so difficult to say, like, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to be doing. And that's where I want to be, but it's going to take me you know, years to get there. Yeah. But it's a serious endeavor and I want it. So it's worth the time. That delayed gratification is such a difficult thing to try and achieve. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, this can, I mean, this can even stem back to what we talked about with building a pyramid. Uh, it's so easy to try and pull the trigger on a hard project too early to be like, well, I did the move. So I'm just going to start yep. trying it. And in that time you could have, I mean, a great example, like my last year of college, there was a v, two V10s in the South I wanted to do because to me they represented when I first started college, I looked at them and I was like, if that's V10, I'll never climb V10. Which two? Uh, the Womb and Biggie Shorty. Mm, okay. Cool. And the summer before I had gone out to Colorado and done like six new V10s, but they're in Colorado. So right, right. I had to come back and <laughs> Colorado, had, Colorado, oh, here, they were here. They were here. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, we're here. Um, we haven't left this house all day, so, or really. <laughs> um, but, so I had to go prove myself back in the South. And to me, these were the two that, I remember when I first saw the womb, it, I was like, that's not possible. Like humans don't grab those holds. Like right. just can't happen. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to put in the time in my last season here. And I want to do these two. Cause to me, they were like more than just V10. Like they proved something, but they took me close to 15 sessions each, which is insane. Um, and I look back at it now, knowing now the time it took me, I could have easily just gone and done, you know, probably like 10, 15 V8s and nines. And then with that kind of experience, I would have gone and done each of those in like three, four sessions. But at the time my eyes were bigger than my hands. <laughs> I don't know how that applies to climbing. I don't, yeah, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> my eyes were bigger than my hands. And so it took me a combined like 30 days to do those two. Um, but yeah, and so it, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, so it's easy for me to look back and be like, well, this is what I should have done, but I've fallen for that same mistake before. And I've also, I feel like I've had times where I didn't fall for that mistake and it paid off drastically. Yep, totally. You know, I think, I think we're often given this, um, this cliche of, you know, walking the walk or, you know, if you want to, if you want to be it, you have to embody it or, mm. you know, whichever cliche you choose that says dream big, <laughs> not even just dream big, but like, if you want to be an athlete, you should walk like an athlete and talk like an athlete and, you know, embody the athlete. And, if you want to be a V11 climber, you should 
walk and talk and act and and go climb on V11s, you know? And we often say, you can't send V10 if you never try V10, mm-hmm. you know? So there's a lot of conflicting advice there. You know, it could be taken a bunch of different ways. I think the thing that's important to understand, or maybe one of the things that's important to understand is by walking and talking and acting and embodying these high-level athletes, that means you're being very aware of where you are right now and and training appropriately, acting appropriately, getting on the appropriate level rock climbs. That doesn't mean I want to be like Joe Kinder, so I go jump on 14D. You know, that's that's not what that means. Joe takes a very different approach to his rock climbing. He doesn't he's not going and jumping on silence, mm-hmm. even though someday he wants to climb like Adam Oldra, you know. He's being smarter about it. And I think that's the thing that should be embodied, should be paid more attention to. Not the not the outcome, but the journey they're taking, the the their approach, the path they're on. Totally. You know, that needs to be paid more attention to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, there, this is not in any way to just trash on high-level climbers or anything like no, that. Or no, no, not do. at all. Like, if anything, it's the opposite. Like, they walked the walk, and that's what got them there. Like, yeah. they, every step of the way, like, they said, said, okay, like, what do I need to improve right now? Like, because if they tried to overreach and say, oh, what is Chris Sharma doing? Then it's like they would get injured or they just wouldn't benefit. And so there are a lot of great things that pro climbers do. And we can take them and look at the principles and say, this is great. Like, I should embody that principle. Yeah. And they're not, they're, they're professional climbers. They're not coaches. It's not their job to break down the things they did that got them to that place. It's their job to get to that place and continue pushing their limits. Mm -hmm. Asking them to tell you what you should be doing to get there is like asking a chef at some restaurant to go paint your car. You know, it's, it's not the same thing at all. They're, they, they are not qualified, nor do they necessarily want to be qualified to tell you, here's what you need to do to get to where I'm at. Totally. And you're going to run into recency bias as well, which is exactly basically yeah. saying like whatever they have most recently done, like that's what they're going to say is what's working. So for them, it's like, they're like, oh, uh, psh, pinky front levers. I've just started doing them. <laughs> and man, my they're core amazing. tension and like, my pinky strength is through the roof. Do that. It's like, yeah, for that, maybe that's a thing. Um, for you, not so much. Yeah. Like, pinky strength isn't going to do a goddamn thing for me. No, definitely not. No. So, yeah, I think you have to be really aware of where you are and and think more about the journey. Think more about the path. And that sounds so cliche to say, and I don't. You know, I'm not trying to be all super esoteric here, but but getting to a destination is a journey no matter how you look at it. And you can't just skip over that part. 
you can't just land there mm-hmm. at the top level. You know, it doesn't work that way. No, totally. Um, and one thing I'd like to add as well, as far as there's some advice that I feel like has gone out for a long time. And I think it's almost a bit misleading um, when people say, always climb with people better than you. I think that can easily be taken to an extreme of climbing with people who are so far better than you that, yeah, they're just not walking the same walk that you are right now. Like they're not on the same path. Like it can be useful because you can look at it and be like, Hey, like maybe that grade isn't so unrealistic. Like they climb three grades harder. So like, is this really a big deal? No, it can put things in perspective for you. But, um, I've been recently reading top dog. You read it Mm -hmm. and it's the book that's going to be our book club. Um, have we come up with a name for the book power company book club yet? Nope. If anyone thinks of a good name for power company book club, let us know. Um, but our first book's going to be top dog, which is on the science of competition and more or less the summation of the book is be around people who are around your level or just barely better than you. Yeah. Yep. Like, and that's, it's huge. Like having that close, it is a close competition that is super important. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if you try and overreach by climbing with someone who's like 10 grades better than you or five or whatever, like there is benefit. Yes. You can see the tactics they use and a lot of these different things. Yeah. There are lessons to be learned. Absolutely. But you need that close competition. You need someone who is, they're training the way that you should be training and they're, at the level that you're at and they're pushing at the same level you should be pushing. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're, we've sort of by default started talking about this on a, on a level of like five thirteen or V eight or V nine looking at much higher levels. But this applies as well to if you're just starting out and you want to be that five eleven climber you see in the gym you shouldn't just go do what that 5'11 climber is doing. You know, you should spend a lot of time climbing where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, climbing on the all the 5'8s, all the 5'9s, all the 5'10s. Try to be very aware of what's working, what's not working. Watch the people who are climbing the 5'10s and the 5'11s and then try to emulate what they're doing on those easier climbs that you're on, you know, to make them better. Um so, so this applies across all levels, not just Joe Kinder looking at Adam Aldra. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, I just want to make sure that that's not seen as the entire purpose here, the entire argument here. Totally. Any other thoughts on training where you are? I think for me, this one feels. I mean, again, all these feel like common sense, but I feel I like that's kind of the point. Yeah, I feel like this one. I'm just going to keep hammering home the same point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's one of those things that, and with all of these, like if you take a step back and look at it, it's easy to know if you're guilty of it. And so, what we're really saying is, take a step back and look. Yep. Yeah, it's, it comes down to principles. Mm-hmm. And. That's what the next episode is going to be about. We're going to try to wrap this thing up into a nice little bow. Um, It's getting late here and we've got more beer. So who knows if it's going to be a nice little bow. But 
principles versus prescriptions is what we're going to talk about. And particularly in this social media driven world, I think this is a pretty big topic, pretty big problematic topic. Totally. So, all right. Till tomorrow, you know where we're at. Facebooks, Instagrams, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can still find us on the Pinterest. I haven't mentioned that in a while, but we're there. You sound surprised. (laughs) Have no fear. We are still on the Pinterest. We are not, however, on that damn Twitter because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time